Hello, this is Lafayette Faust, creator of the Nevermore Hollows podcast. Thank you for making the show a success. Please take a moment to subscribe, give five stars, comment, and share the show with your friends. It's the best way to help us grow and to be able to continue to provide quality horror content. Also, please support our new art director, Chris Madman Goins, at Black Sheep Studios TN on Instagram. He has some amazing Nevermore Hollows art for sale, signed by the both of us, as well as many other original pieces I think you're going to love. Now, for you horror hounds who like to have a good laugh, I invite you to check out my other podcast. It's called The Three Uncool Cats. In it, my two friends and I sit in a basement and discuss music, movies, and whatever else comes into our warped minds. I would really appreciate it if you would give it a listen. Now, with that out of the way, I invite you to sit back, turn on a light, and prepare yourself. The Grim Tale of Grace Macabre Chapter 3 The lunchroom in any high school is a microcosmic snapshot of the current society at large. The kids break off into groups that are representative of the various pop culture and subculture movements that are eating their way across the country. Everyone awkwardly attempts to look as if they could care less about being part of the specific group they secretly crave to join. Then, through various incoherent attempts to distance themselves so that their coolness factor is increased, they are eventually asked by that coveted group in an even more awkward fashion to hang out or whatever for a while. Grace shook her head when she saw each camp was clearly entrenched in its own little piece of the vast lunchroom. The jocks openly declared the east wall with all the windows as their homeland. She privately referred to it as Jocklandia. The lascivious and vapid kingdom of the Barbie zombies occupied one table to the south of Jocklandia, well within gawking distance of the overly inflated footballers, lithe wrestlers, and sculpted baseball and basketball players. The sad little aisle of goth sat in the corner next to the garbage cans where everyone threw their lunch refuse. There was even the smaller but growing land of freaks, which consisted of the angry and tattooed musicians, suffering artists, and the outcasts that none of the other groups cared to embrace they defiantly occupied the tables closest to the restrooms. Grace noticed that every single one of these clearly defined groups eyed the other with envy or hate or both. She refused to eat school food because it was often colorless, always bland, and never settled well on her stomach. 
She clutched the brown paper sack she used as a lunchbox and searched for an empty space to sit, preferably away from any of the other groups. She noticed there was an empty table near the Isle of Goth, looking like a small oasis of solitude, and headed for it. As she took her seat, someone slipped into the chair across from her. She looked up and noticed it was Ian Black, her Biology 101 lab partner. Ian was short and stocky and had a cavalier attitude toward life. She remembered that while they were dissecting their frog together a few weeks ago, she had sneezed, causing her scalpel to slip, cutting off poor Froggy's left arm. Others in the class saw this and began to laugh at Grace. Ian saw the blush flare across her cheeks, used a pair of tweezers to grab the dismembered limb, and began sticking it out toward the other kids. Give me five, dude, he said, a wide smile lighting up his face. The other kids turned their attention from Grace and began laughing at Ian. Grace had thanked him after class for his strange yet gentlemanly help at deflecting the attention from her. He gave her an infectious smile and asked to take her out on a date to Dante Inferno's Pizzeria, Nevermore's popular pizza joint. Grace knew that he had a crush on her, but wasn't interested in having him as a boyfriend. She did, however, like him a lot and had told him so, in the hopes that they could work on being friends. Oh, I see, Ian said with a wry look. You are one of those girls that need to fall in love with her best friend. At least now I have a plan. Grace couldn't stop herself from giving a smile as she shook her head. No, Ian, that's not what I mean. Maybe you don't mean it now, Grace, but give me a little time. I have a way of making people like me. He turned and headed off toward his next class before she could argue the point any further. She could only admit that though she had no romantic feelings for Ian he did have a powerful way of making her feel good. Now she looked at him and his wry smile as he sat across from her. So, he said, can I buy you lunch? No, Ian, you can't. Aw, come on, Grace. Why not? Ian, if I let you buy me lunch, you might misconstrue that as my willingness to go out on a date with you. Besides... I brought my lunch, see? Okay, he said. I brought my lunch too. He sat his lunchbox on the table, causing her to give a small giggle. Why do you have a Muppet Show lunchbox? Ian glanced at the lunchbox and his eyes widened as if he had only just realized that it was covered with images of Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem Band. Oh my gosh, this isn't mine. How did I get this thing? Grace saw that Ian seemed genuinely confused. That's really not yours? Absolutely not, he said. Mine has Care Bears on it. Grace laughed aloud. You're silly, she said. Why is a teenage boy carrying around a Muppet's lunchbox? 
Aren't you embarrassed? Ian gave her a wide smile. Nah, he said. I'm not embarrassed. It was my dad's when he was a kid. Besides, it's way retro and very collectible. Grace couldn't believe it. You're really not embarrassed? Why should I be? Ian said. He glanced conspiratorially over his shoulder and around the crowded lunchroom. Do you think any of these posers are going to be jealous? You don't think they will covet my lunchbox, do you? Grace shook her head in disbelief at Ian's total lack of care at what others thought about him. So, what can I do for you? I just thought you looked lonely and needed company, he said. Grace noticed that Ian was wearing a gray hoodie with patches of various shapes and sizes sewn onto the sleeves. Her attention was drawn to a royal blue patch with white writing that had been placed directly in the center of his sweatshirt. What does that word mean? she asked, pointing at the patch. Ian looked down at the patch as if he had completely forgotten it was there. Oikos, he said. It means family in ancient Greek. Why do you have an ancient Greek word for family sewn onto your hoodie? Well, because family is important, Ian said in a matter-of-fact tone. A strong family can help each other through the toughest of times. And contrary to our popular culture ideas of family being boring, they really can be a lot of fun. Grace had come to understand that Ian had a completely different take on life and pop culture than any of the other kids she knew. But before she could reply, someone screamed and the room came to a sudden and unnatural hush. She and Ian turned toward the girl who screamed, wondering what the commotion was all about. That's when they saw one of the Goths, Justin Jones, standing on a table, a gun held directly at Brandon Decker, the star quarterback.